I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Before we get started this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come now to this time of opening up your word, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we pray that you would write its eternal truth upon all our hearts today, Lord. I pray that, Lord, as we study more about heaven, Lord, that you would draw our hearts to heaven, that our hearts would be there with you, and that we would long for that day that we would be called home live in your presence. Oh Lord, give us a love and a desire for our true home in your heaven. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. We'll be looking at just three verses today. Well, not just three. There's three that we're going to look at. But uh, Revelation chapter 6 verses 9 through 11. Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11. If you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 968 in the Pew Bible. It's page 968 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't own a Bible, then uh, we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you because we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So please take that and, and use it. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Several years ago, we went up to New York on a vacation. And uh, so we went going through, seeing all about New York and all of that good stuff. But one place that Mary Beth and Gabby just had to go, especially Gabby, uh, that, this was mainly her thing, but uh, she, she just had to go to a Broadway show. Well, all right, well, let's go to a Broadway show. Now, I was, I was dreadfully reluctant to go to a Broadway show. That is not where I wanted to, to go spend my night, the night that we went to a Broadway show. I mean, I could, just couldn't imagine... Uh, just wasting so much time going to a Broadway show, but she wanted to go, and so we were going to go. Uh, all right, wonderful, let's go, because uh, that's what you do as a husband and a father. You sometimes do things you don't want to do. So I was kind of reluctant to go, but actually when I got there, we went to see The Lion King. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but we went to see The Lion King, and when I got there, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, after it got going, it wasn't as boring as I thought it would be. It was quite active and quite entertaining, and, and it was actually a joy to, to watch, and so I was glad I went after the fact. But the reason I was dreadfully reluctant to go from the beginning was because of my ignorance, because I did not know what I was getting into. I didn't know what to even expect. I was thinking about just people singing to one another, and that would be it. I didn't imagine all of the scene scenery changes and all of this stuff this big production that they put on and so uh, my ignorance caused me to be reluctant to go but once I got there I was pleasantly surprised well you know a lot of people even some Christians are kind of reluctant to go to heaven right? We, we, we like this life. We are familiar with this life, and, and this is our comfort zone, and, and we, we, we kind of dread that day that might come, that, well, that will come one day when we pass on from this world and we go into heaven. We kind of we dread it a little bit because we don't know what to expect. 
The reason so many Christians, especially even Christians, uh, kind of dread the day of death is because of ignorance. They just don't know what to expect. I mean, we, we know we're supposed to want to go, right? We're supposed to want to be there, and, and we know Paul says, hey, it's better to be with the Lord, but still there's this kind of, but what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like? And we hate to leave what we know and go to what we don't know. But you know what? If we look to Scripture and, and begin to, to build a picture in our mind from what Scripture tells us about heaven, present heaven, I think we'll want to long even more to be there. So today, we're going to see this. Present heaven is a place to anxiously anticipate. Present heaven, the current heaven, not eternal heaven. We're not to eternal heaven yet. Present heaven, right now, present heaven is a place to anxiously anticipate. It is a place that we should be excited that one day we're going to get to go there. So today we're going to ask this question, what is life like in present heaven? What is like life? What is life like in present heaven? Heaven as it is today. Not eternal heaven. We're going to go there next week. But what, what is heaven like today? What is life like in heaven today? Now, last time, last week, we, we talked about heaven, uh, where it is, or, or what heaven is. And we said heaven is a place. And where it is, it's up, up somewhere in a likely a spiritual realm, somewhere up there. Uh, but now today we're going to look at present heaven and see what life is like. What can we expect to experience in present heaven? What are our loved ones who have gone on before us? What are they experiencing today? And one of the, the premier passages that we have on present heaven is our text here in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. This little paragraph it gives us kind of just a peek, just a peek behind the curtain to see into present heaven. So let me read this for us before we, we dive into it a little bit more. Hear the word of the Lord. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Well, as we, we look at this text and, and we think about other texts that we've already talked about, we see a, a few things about present heaven that should interest us and should give us kind of a picture of what to expect in present heaven, as far as life in present heaven. First of all, we, we want to note the state of community. The state of community. Now, some of this is a review from last week, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. But the state of community, who will we see in present heaven? Who will be there? Well, first of all, of course, is God's manifest presence. God's manifest presence. We talked about this last week. It's 
A home, heaven is the home of God's manifest presence. So God's manifest presence is there in in heaven. And you see this, of course, in Revelation chapter 4, as, as John goes up into heaven, as he's brought up into this vision of the heavenly throne room, he sees there the glory of God sitting upon his throne. And we know that, that God himself is, is, is omnipresent. He is everywhere, all over. And, and so no throne room can uh, encase God, but, but God allows his manifest presence to be there in heaven. His visible glory shines out in heaven. And heaven is the place where the glory of God just pours out blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon his people there in his presence. It's the place where God blesses the most, right? It's where he pours out his blessings the most. We, we experience his blessings here on earth, but his greatest blessings are being poured out in heaven. So there in heaven is the manifest presence of God. He is there with his people. God's manifest presence is there. So when we get to heaven, we'll see the glory of God sitting upon his glorious throne. But not only the manifest presence of God, but we also see that the resurrected Jesus Christ is there. Again, in Revelation chapter 5, as the, the scroll is being brought out, who is worthy to open up the scroll? And there was no one found to be worthy. And then uh, some, one of the angels told John, he says, don't worry, for there's the lamb. The lamb is worthy. And he looks up and he sees a lamb as if he were slain, standing beside the, the throne of God. And that was Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Christ, the one who came, lived, and died for our sins and was re resurrected again. And he ascended into heaven. Acts chapter 1, we see him ascending into heaven. The disciples witness him ascending into heaven. And he was taken up in the cloud. And now he is there in bodily form, in resurrected form, in heaven, seated at the right hand of his Father. So Jesus Christ is there in heaven, and we will get to fellowship with him, right? We will get to see him and be with him in heaven. But not only is Jesus there, we also see the heavenly host, the angels there in heaven. They have the four living creatures around the throne of God. You have the multitudes upon multitudes of angels coming in, worshiping God. So all the heavenly hosts are there in heaven. But of course, we also see the departed saints in heaven. The departed saints. Again, when I say the departed saints, I'm not talking about St. Paul, St. Peter, St. whoever. I'm talking about all of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. As 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 says, as Paul addresses the church of Corinth, he says to them, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. It's not just those who the Catholic Church has deemed to be saints. All of those who have trusted in the name of Jesus Christ are the saints of the Lord. And so all of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, who have passed on from this world, they are there in the presence of God in heaven. So all of our beloved, one, all of our beloved ones, our dear friends and family who have 
gone away from us, who have departed, they are there in heaven enjoying the blessings of God in present heaven. And we'll get to see them there in heaven when we get there. So it's God's manifest presence, the resurrected Jesus Christ. He's there, the, the heavenly host, the angels, they're there. The departed saints, they're there. But also, we also see in Scripture this other group of little people there that uh, they're not there all the time, but they'll, we'll see them come in and, in and out here and there. We also see Satan and evil spirits in present heaven. They're there. They, they, they come through. They pass through uh, occasionally when God allows them. Of course, the, the number one verse that we think of when we think about Satan being in present heaven is Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now, the, now there was a day when the sons of God, that is the heavenly host, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And so Satan was there, and he came in to the throne room of God, and he, he had a discussion with God. And we see other places in Scripture where there was a, a lying spirit who, who came in, and God used that lying spirit to carry out his will. I would say that was most likely a, a demon, right? An evil spirit who was coming in. And so we see these characters coming in and out of present heaven. They're there. They're here and there. We, we won't commune with them like we will the others, but, but I, I reckon we'll probably see them. I'm, I'm sure we'll see Satan as he comes through the streets and goes into the throne room and talks to God. So Satan and evil spirits are here and there coming in and out of present heaven. So all of these are, are in heaven. We're, we're going to see these characters, these people in heaven. So that's the state of community. But what about our state of being? What about our state of being? What will our state of being be? And, and here's some misconceptions that people often have about our state of being in heaven. Uh, a lot of people think that we become angels. And of course, as we've talked about in our angels discussion on Wednesday night, we, we, we don't become angels, right? We never become angels. Humans never become angels. You will not be an angel. Angels are a different kind of being altogether. They're a different kind of being. Just like we're a different kind of being from cows and horses and chickens and uh, apes. They're a different kind of being. Angels are a different kind of being. We can communicate with them. They're intelligent beings. They're powerful beings. But they are a different kind of being than we are. So humans will not become angels. So what will our state of being be? If we're not going to be like angels, what will our state of being be in present heaven? Well, obviously there will be a spiritual presence. There will be a spiritual presence. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so Paul understands when we die, this body stays here and it gets planted in the ground. But the spirit departs and it goes up to be with the Lord. And so there's a spiritual presence. We see even in our text here. Notice what he says here in the first verse, verse 9. 
When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and their witness that they had borne. So their souls are there. So there's this spiritual presence that is there in heaven. So we will have a spiritual presence. But is that it? Are we just kind of like these little ghost-like figures weaving about heaven and, and just kind of here or there? Is, is that it? Maybe not. Maybe not. There is a spiritual presence, but perhaps there may also be some kind of a physical presence Possibly, right? That there may be some kind of physical presence. Why do I say this? Well, again, notice what he says here. There, there's the souls of those who are slain or had been slain for the word of God under the altar. Uh, and then as they go on down, look at verse 11. Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer. They were given a white robe. They were clothed in a white robe. Now, if they're simply just kind of spirits floating about with no kind of body, well, what good would a white robe do? Now, Revelation, there's a lot of figurative language, and so we can't draw some any kind of concrete conclusion here about this physical presence. But, but it seems to be, as, as John is seeing it, there seems to be some kind of physical presence to these souls under the altar. They're not just kind of ghost-like figures floating about with no physical body, but, but there seems to be some kind of a physical presence that can be clothed in a white robe. Furthermore, when we think about that, when we think about having a physical presence in heaven, we also remember in Scripture that there are some people in heaven who have their bodies, right? They, they have their physical body there. So, so we know that, that heaven can house a physical body because Jesus is there, number one. Jesus is there in his resurrected body, and so his physical body is able to be in present heaven. We also know from Genesis that Enoch, you remember Enoch? He was a man who walked with God, and then he was not. And God took him up to heaven. He took him up to heaven. He, he never died, but God took him and just took him right on up into heaven. And so Enoch is up there in his body not his resurrected body but his earthly body and God preserved it somehow some way you know because God can do all things and so his physical body is there in heaven also Elijah Elijah he was taken up by a chariot of fire so he never died but his body his physical body was taken up into heaven and so Elijah is in heaven with a physical body also, when we see the Mount of Transfiguration, think about that. As John and Peter and uh, those guys, the disciples who were there, they, they uh, saw the, the Mount of Transfiguration. They reported that they looked up and Jesus was sitting there talking to who? Elijah and Moses. Moses was there. Now, Scripture tells us that Moses died on the mountain and God buried him. God hid his body, buried his body there on a mountain where nobody could find it because, you know, 
we human beings, we have a tendency to build shrines around great figures. And, and my thought is God didn't want that to happen. And so he hid Moses' body away and he buried him himself, himself because he didn't want the Israelites building a shrine to Moses and worshiping that shrine. My opinion, Scripture doesn't say that. That's just my thoughts on the matter. But, but, but Moses died and his body was buried. But yet, the disciples look up and they see Moses. And they know who Moses is. And so there seems to be, not, not, not that his, he, he was a ghost type figure, but he had some kind of a physical presence there on the Mount of Transfiguration. So uh, it, it seems like we, we could draw at least a little bit of, of conclusion that maybe, perhaps, perhaps those saints who are in heaven have some kind of physical presence. There's some kind of physical presence. Uh, now, we, we need to understand that whatever body we might have, that whatever physical presence, whatever physical body God might allow us to have and form for us in present heaven, it's not a permanent body. It's not a permanent body. Because we know that when Christ returns, our bodies that God created for us on this earth, in this life, those bodies will be resurrected and made completely whole. And we will have those bodies for these bodies for all of eternity. So if there's if we do have a physical presence in heaven, it's a, a temporary thing. It's like a rental, right? It's like a rental. If you take a flight and and you go off somewhere, Mary Beth and I we're going to take a trip to Florida here in a a couple of weeks. Next week actually, uh, we're going to leave out and we're going to take a trip to Florida and we're going to fly into Florida and we're going to rent a car. We're going to have a rental. It's not our car, but we're going to drive it around and we're going to use it like it's our car for a few days and then we're going to drop it off at the dealership there and we're going to fly home and use our own car. Well, that's kind of the same thing. If there is any kind of physical presence in heaven, it's kind of like a rental. God's going to give us a rental that we're going to have, be able to drive around for a while until the resurrection comes, until Jesus' return takes place, and, and then we'll get rid of the rental and we'll take on our eternal body, which will be these bodies made perfect. These bodies made perfect. So uh, there could be, I'm not saying definitively that there, there are physical bodies there, that we do have physical bodies, but uh, just from little indications in Scripture, it may be that we have some kind of a, a physical presence, a physical body in present heaven. So that's our state of being. We see our state of community. See those who are there. We see our state of being, a, a spiritual presence for sure, a physical presence possibly. But then we move on and we think about our state of mind. What will our state of mind be? What will our state of mind be in heaven? What will our emotions be like? Will it just be kind of like a blank expression, kind of just floating around and, and, and no emotion whatsoever? No, I, I think first of all, we know this for sure. There's going to be inexpressible joy. We're going to have an inexpressible joy, joy that, that we can't even imagine in this world. Well, just think about what Peter says. Think about what Peter says in First Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. He says, 
to, to the church. He says to us today, the living, he says, though you have not seen him, though you have not seen Christ, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You think about that even now. When we think about our relationship with Christ, when we think about what Christ has done for us, we have joy inexpressible and filled with glory. Even in this life. What will it be when we get to heaven? And our faith becomes sight. Oh, what joy will we experience when we get to see Jesus face to face. When we realize the fulfillment of our salvation in heaven, oh, what joy, what joy will we experience then? It is inexpressible joy. And so Paul is able to say in Philippians chapter 1, for to me to live is Christ, to me, for me to live is to, to do the work of Christ, and to die is gain. It's gain. If I'm live, I'm... If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I should choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Oh, the joy that we experience here. I don't know about you, but every time I hear that, that song that we sang, Behold Our God, it just, it just gets in my heart, and, and it just gets me excited because I can just visualize God, and, and, and I love that. But when my faith becomes sight, when I'm not just visualizing God with my mind's eye, but when I see Him, oh, behold, our God. Oh, what joy. What excitement it will be when I get to worship God there in his throne room, in his presence. Oh, there will be joy inexpressible and filled with glory. But there's also going to be eager anticipation. There's going to be eager anticipation. We see a bit of this in our text. Notice what our text says there. All of those saints there who have been slain for the word of God and their witness to Christ they cried out in verse 10, they cried out with a loud voice, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? How long, O oh Lord? How long until it, Jesus returns? How long before Jesus makes His triumphal entry into the world? How long, O oh Lord, until the resurrection of the saints? How long, O oh Lord, until you make all things new? How long, O oh Lord, will it be until all of this comes to an end and we go into eternity, into your eternal kingdom? How long, O oh Lord? There's this eager anticipation, longing for the day that Christ makes His return. And the trumpet blows. And the angel cries out. And the dead in Christ are, are perfect, immortal. 
And those who are left on this world, those who are, are still alive, will be caught up with them and made immortal and perfect. We will become like Christ because we will see Him. How long, O oh Lord? You see, there's that eager expectation, that eager longing for Christ to come and make all things new. You see, present heaven, that's not the end of it. That's not the end. The end is when Jesus returns and he establishes his, his eternal kingdom here in this world, on this earth. That's the end goal. And until that end goal is accomplished, there's always an eager anticipation. Oh yes, we're going to experience joy inexpressible and filled with glory. But at the same time, we're going to long for that day when Christ returns and makes all things, all things new. Romans 8, 19 through 23 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not, willing, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation was, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Oh, we long for that day, and the saints in heaven long for that day when they will be reunited with their earthly bodies, the bodies that God first gave them at birth. This old earthly body renewed and made whole and perfect. So our state of emotion, we will experience inexpressible joy filled with glory. But we will always have that eager anticipation, longing for and waiting for the day of Christ's return when he makes all things new. But what will our state of activity be? Because that's a big concern. What, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to be sitting up there on a cloud, streaming a harp? It's kind of passing the time until eternity comes. Well, we know from Scripture, we, we don't have a full picture here again, but we know from Scripture there are a few things that we, we know we're going to do. We, we know there are a few things that are going to take place. First and foremost, we're going to worship God. We're going to worship God as these saints are here in the, the throne room of God. These souls, I saw under the altar the souls of those who have been slain. These, these souls are under the altar. The altar was a place of worship. And so these souls are there under the altar. They're, they're taking place. They're, they're involved in the worship of God. They're in the throne room of God. We've already seen the angels, all the hosts of heaven, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the 24 elders cast down their crowns before the Lord God and worship. And the multitudes of the heavenly host come and singing hymns, holy to the Lord. 
There's going to be great and wonderful worship, worship like we've never experienced on earth. Think about the, the greatest, best, most exciting worship ceremony, uh, worship uh, that you have been involved in. Think about that and multiply it gazillions of times. That's how it's going to be, right? It's going to be worship like we have never experienced. Worship like we've never experienced. No holding back. No worrying about, oh, what, 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 what will people think if I raise my hands? <sighs> no worry about being embarrassed. There's no holding back. When you see God the Father sitting on His throne and Jesus Christ standing there beside Him, when we see God in His fullness, there will be uninhibited worship. We'll be able to just pour out our, our souls unto the Lord in pure, holy, righteous worship. Oh, there will be wonderful, wonderful worship. There will also be commune with God. There will be commune with God. There, there, there's this relationship. Right now, there, we have commune with God now. We, we read His Word. That's Him talking to us. And we, we pray to Him. That's us talking to Him. But, but here, there's, there's face-to-face commune with God. There's face-to-face communication with God. When we see the saints, under, of the souls of the, those who are, were killed under the altar, and they're crying out to the Lord, O oh, sovereign God, how long? And God answers them. He answers them. He talks back and says, oh, it's not quite the time yet. But y'all just rest a little longer, children. Rest a little bit longer. There's this wonderful commune with God. We get to talk to God. Oh, think about Moses. Moses got to talk with God face to face. No one else on earth ever got, has ever gotten to talk to God face to face, not like Moses did. But we will. In heaven, we will. We'll get to commune with God. We'll get to have conversations with, with Christ. We'll get to talk to Him about what He, he did here on earth. We'll, we'll get to talk to Him and, and be in a one-on-one -on -one relationship like we've not yet experienced. There will be commune with God. But I think there will also be commune with the saints. There will be commune with the saints. We'll be able to, to conversate with the, the saints, our loved ones who have gone on before us. All of these souls are there under the altar. They're together. Right? That's a plural souls. There, there's many souls there. They're together. They're, they're converting together. And, and they're, they're united in a united voice asking God this question. There's communion there. There's a relationship there. So we will get to see our loved ones. We'll get to talk to them. We'll get to share stories with them again. We'll have that relationship. I'm just thinking about it right now. <laughs> Some dear friends who are missing right here. Who I've shared hours in conversation with. And I'm going to get to see them again. And we're going to carry on those conversations. Praise the Lord. We're going to see them.
And we're going to resume our relationship there in heaven. So we're going to have communion with the saints, but there's also, we're going to learn about God. We're going to learn about God. Notice that in our text here, the, the saints, the souls under the altar, they ask God a question. How long, O Lord? And the Lord answers them. He answers their question. There's something they don't know. They ask God, and God tells them an answer. He doesn't get into the specifics. He doesn't say, well, on this date. He says, it's just not yet. It's coming, but not yet. We'll get to ask God questions. We'll get to know God even greater. We think about all that we know about God. Everything that we can know about God is in His Word. This is how we know Him now. And so when we have a question about God, we, we go to His Word, and, and whatever He has revealed about Himself in, in His Word, uh, we find it there. But in heaven, we've got full access. So God, tell me about the universe. <laughs> right? Tell me, like, like, how did you do it, God? And, and He might not always tell us the full answer, just like He didn't tell the saints here the full answer. He kind of told them what they needed to know, and, and they were happy with that. And so He may not always tell us the full answer. We may not need to know that answer, but, but He's going to answer us. So we're going to learn more. He's going to teach us more about himself in present heaven. So we get to learn even more about God. We get to learn even more about his creation. We're going to learn. We're going to learn about God. So we're going to worship God. We're going to commune with God. We're going to commune with the saints. We're going to learn about God. But also we're going to rest in God. We're going to rest in God. Again, verse 11, here in our text. Then they were each given a white robe and each told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been killed. They, said they were told to rest a little longer. We will get to rest in the Lord. Now, I honestly don't think it's like laid back on a cloud, just kind of floating around, resting for all of eternity. I think it's going to be more of an active rest. But what he means by resting a little while longer, you think about heaven, there's, there's no more sin, no more sorrow, no more suffering. We rest from all the ills of this world. We get to rest in the Lord. That must, doesn't mean lazing around. But that means we don't have to suffer and worry about the sufferings of this world any longer, but we rest in the Lord. I think it's an act of rest. You think about the angels in heaven. They, they don't know the, the sin and the suffering and, and all of that that we know. And so they are actively resting in the Lord, but still doing things for the Lord, still carrying out God's will. And I think in present heaven we'll be doing things we'll be doing things i don't know what things but i think we'll be doing things it's an active rest we'll be working for the lord carrying out his will not like the angels coming back and forth to, to earth or that's their job but we'll be doing things for the lord even as we rest in him 
present heaven is a place to anxiously anticipate. Present heaven is a, a place to anxiously anticipate. We need not fear death, Christians. We need not fear death. There's no need to fear. Instead, we should anxiously anticipate heaven. Doesn't mean we want to speed it up, right? Like Paul, we want to work as long as God has for us to work on this earth. That means fruitful labor for Him. We want to work for His honor and His glory all the days that He has planned for us on this earth. We don't want to shorten our days whatsoever because we want to live for His glory to the fullest that He has given us to live. Oh, but we should anxiously anticipate that day that He calls us home to glory. And we get to see our Savior face to face and live with Him in present heaven. You know, I think about this. I, I prayed with a dear Christian lady even this week. She's lived a long, glorious life, a long life in the Lord. She's had fruitful labor for the Lord now she's in a place where there's a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And she says, as long as the Lord has me here, I want to do whatever I can. I pray, I do everything I, that I possibly can to serve Him. Oh, but I long to be with Jesus. Oh, Brother Richard, I long to be with Jesus. Oh, may we all long to to be with Jesus right now in present heaven. Death is no, nothing to fear for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have every reason to fear you have every reason to fear because if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, there is no communion with God. There is no rest whatsoever. We've not ventured into hell just yet. I want you to know that hell is a place where there is no rest. Hell is a place that is full of sin, sorrow, and suffering. There is no rest, only agony. And judgment forever and ever. If you don't know Jesus, the only way to escape hell is by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Oh, dear friend, if you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, today, I stand before you I, I hand out to you your ticket to escape and it's Jesus Christ trust in him and anticipate the heaven that is to come turn away from hell look to heaven trust in Jesus Christ let's pray Heavenly Father Lord we thank you Lord, that you've just given us just a peek into heaven.
You haven't given us the full picture, but you've given us enough, Lord, that we can see that present heaven, even before we get to eternity, present heaven is a place that we should anxiously anticipate. We should long to be there in your presence with all the brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone on before us. Oh Lord, let heaven be our goal. And may every day that we live on this world, oh Lord, may it be a day of storing up treasures in heaven and attaching our heart more and more and more to heaven every day. And Lord, if there's any today who they don't have the assurance of heaven, because they've never trusted in Jesus. Oh Lord, let them today look away from their sins. Look away from their rebellion. Trust in Jesus. And make heaven their home. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.